Welcome back to Funeral KRT, the podcast where we take a look at the best and worst of obscure media. I'm the kit keeper, and I promise to overuse the nightmare on Evergreen Terrace jokes. I'm Tyler Green, bitch. (laughs) I'm Scary Randy, bitch. (laughs) Behold, the first Rick and Morty joke we've made that isn't Pickle Rick. You're welcome. Huzzah! And joining us for the first time over on our podcast, though we've guessed it on hers, you know her from the podcast The E-Ticket Gazette. You know her as Miss Nightmare. Please welcome Casey Kane! Woo! And as we know from my storyline, I'm your worst nightmare. I already had my worst nightmare when I was born. You're my student loan debt? (laughs) (laughs) I already had my worst nightmare when I had to drive 200 miles to Western Mass for my birthday to drop something off. (laughs) In this lousy schmocktober weather, too. Lousy September weather. All right. So we've referenced pretty much every single parody of what we're talking about today, except what we're actually talking about today. A little horror franchise that not many people have heard of. It's kind of obscure. The Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Specifically, that time Freddy Krueger hosted an anthology series. I introduced it to them. And the thing is, they're like, Casey, you are a guest. Pick an episode. You should not have given me this power. (laughs) Because I literally could have done much worse. Originally, I had planned for them to watch the episode where Freddy Krueger possesses a psychic and goes to his class reunion. What? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I can't let them watch that episode because, unfortunately, there's a character that appears in this episode that appears in that episode, so we had to watch part one of this. I read up on that episode, too, by the way, and let me just say that character is interesting. Yeah. Does Jason have his own TV show? Well, the thing is, there is the Friday the 13th series, but it does not have Jason in it. <laughs> but for Freddy's Nightmares, this is just a little capsule that I had discovered for myself while I was enjoying Nightmare on Elm Street. It was for a time appearing on Chiller TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, Chiller TV stopped doing that. And how all the co-hosts and myself were able to watch this episode. Years ago, at a local convention, I came across a booth that was selling a bunch of bootlegs of old TV shows that didn't even have a DVD One of them was Freddy's Nightmares. So I have a bootleg copy of the whole series. And it's not perfect. The quality's not as best. Especially because as I was watching this episode, I realized that there was actually glitches of the tape itself of the episode for only one part. And that was it. And I don't know why that happened. (laughs) Yeah, because I noticed there were bits where Freddy was about to say something and then it just cut to the next scene was that intentional or were they just cutting out like indents or something i think they were just cutting out like commercial breaks yeah they probably also had to cut out like anything that was like too gory for tv because i was amazed what they could still even get away with in this yeah holy shit actually if you watch the never sleep again documentary they talk about freddy's nightmares a lot oh really because they have to go chronological from freddy's history all the way to freddy versus jason at the time but basically freddy's was touched 
the history of it was made because of like they wanted to cash in on like horror anthologies like Tales from the Crypt which ironically enough after the first few episodes they had a budget then they adopted the last season crew of the last season the Tales from the Crypt where that lost its budget oh you could tell by some episodes they're getting low quality it was weird uh, there was so much they could film and they're like let's film a bunch because we know that the TV is never going to allow us to do this like there's a <laughs> lot of parts in the documentary where they show so much gore that they knew they were never going to air it oh man he is my neighbor Jason Voorhees he is pain in my assholes I get the sharp weapon he must get the sharp weapon I get the sequel, he must get the sequel. I star in my own horror anthology series. He cannot afford. Great success. Wow, wee wah Ironic, given that both Wes Craven and the director of the first Friday the 13th directed Last House on the Left together, so it all connects. There's like so many episodes I really could have picked. Like, the psychic one. The cannibals one. Like what? Uh, the one with Freddy with sex education. What? Hey kids, don't have sex. You'll get pregnant and die. <laughs> or there's like also a uh, tank girl gets her head chopped off. The episode with Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many episodes that actually start a lot of actors' careers. But also the most notorious one, the very first episode of retelling of Freddy Krueger's origin story of like Starting from the court case, and then of course he becomes the Dream Master, directed by Tony Hooper, aka the man who brought his Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes! Toby Hooper, yeah, that's right. So, all 80s horror films are their own cinematic universe. <laughs> I was amazed at the cast they were able to get for a lot of these as well. Like, holy crap, they got Brad Pitt, they got Jeffrey Combs, and Phil Lewis, and yes, that Phil Lewis. Yeah, Mr. Fucking Mosby. I actually can't remember which episode this. Jeffrey Combs appears to the one where he's basically a crazed pizza owner. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, for Phil Lewis, he's basically one of the best men where it's all about like a wedding where the husband's bachelor party and he's having like these daydreams of almost wanting to cheat on his wife, but he really doesn't do that. Wow. No running in my lobby, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) When there's episodes that don't have Freddy, it really deals more into that of like actual nightmares, uh, daydreams, and also saying that Springfield is a bad luck town. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm really hung up on Phil Lewis being in this show. He has that. A mini afro. Wait, so you're telling me that the ghost episode of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody was accurate? <laughs> yes, yes it was. Uh, but you know what? You also can't tell me that Mr. Mosby wouldn't let Freddy kill Zack and Cody. You know what? He doesn't want to admit it, but he loves those two like they're his own boys. He would save them. He'd probably become the manager last minute. <laughs> <laughs> And also, today's episode that we're talking about stars Patty McCormick, a.k.a. Rhoda from The Bad Seed. Oh, that's who that was. Holy crap. Like, I know that she's had a long acting career. She was also Pat Nixon in Frost vs. Nixon. But yeah, that was amazing. Also, uh, Oliver, who is the guy who appeared in the Psychic episode. I didn't know he had a career after this because I looked. He is Gabriel slash Loki from Supernatural. Oh, oh my oh, god. Shit. 
I learn something new every day and I don't watch Supernatural. It's kind of weird to describe anything from the Nightmare franchise as hokey because it's always been kind of campy, always kind of hokey, but this in particular feels like it amped up the campiness, so. It really did. And I kind of fucking love it. It is. Well, I like the first half. And for the record, we should probably say our relationship with the movies real quick. Love them. They're fucking great. Most of them at least, but goddamn, just perfect horror from top to bottom. I have some exciting stories. Um, So the last Rhode Island Comic Con before Comic Cons were ruined forever. Uh... Mm-hmm. Right before it on Halloween, they had a screening of the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie with a Q&A with Robert England himself. Yes. Oh. Before the Q&A, they actually had a few like little trivia and like physical challenge stuff you could do for prizes. I won two of them. No, I think I only won one of them. Actually, um, I won one of the physical contests where you put on the glove with the syringes from Dream Warriors, which, by the way... Wait, the... wait, the actual prop? No, it was just a replica, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been cool if it was... Which, by the way, Dream Warriors by Dokken is a kick-ass fucking song. We're the Dream Warriors! So, the physical challenge that I won was you put on the syringe glove from Dream Warriors, and I can't remember if it was you either have to tie a shoe or untie a shoe in less than 15 seconds. Either way, I won, and I won a little plush decapitated zombie head. (laughs) Yes! And uh, the Q&A with Robert England, I got to ask him about, you know, the Nintendo promotions and everything. Fuck yes. I was wearing a hat, and one of the things I think that is so wholesome but also kind of funny about Robert England is that he refuses to say the word bitch at conventions or during Q&As because he's afraid he's gonna like offend someone or that there's gonna be kids there and I'm like Aww. but we clearly have seen the Elm Street movies which are very offensive and not kid friendly I would be flattered and I can promise you most of those kids have already seen the Scary Terry episode of Rick and Morty yeah or they've seen the Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace so <laughs> he never says the full word bitch he just says B word so when I stand up he sees the hat he says in the Freddy voice nice Tap B word. <laughs> that was the greatest day of my life. I fucking love Robert England. What an awesome guy. Oh my god, who here has seen the picture of him holding a tiny kitten in a Freddy sweater? Oh, yes. no, oh my god. Also, he went on um, a Nickelodeon show to promote Nightmare 4, so... (laughs) That's so funny how just, like, horror movies and violent R-rated action movies were so heavily promoted to children back in those days. Yeah, they were. To the point where Freddy Krueger was everywhere. Like, he was even being marketed to kids. Like, he had his own action figures and toys and stuff. And I'm kind of mad that I'm only just thinking now... That we should do a KRT toy store, but eh, we'll figure it out next time. I do have a Freddy glove. Same. It's on the couch. Nice. That of like having a Freddy promoted to kids, that was touch upon in a new nightmare film a lot because that was a heavy topic at the time. You forgot the power glove, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Robert England in his Freddy voice say, I love the power glove. It's so bad. I mean, unless he's on cameo. Freddy Krueger becomes Thanos. (laughs) I am inevitable. 
bitch. Also, one more thing I need to say about Robert Englund is that it's amazing that he played Freddy Krueger for as long as he did. Almost 20 fucking years from the original Nightmare on Elm Street to Freddy versus Jason. And he never lost that magic. Even when the movie itself wasn't very good, he just kept at it. What a king. The last time he actually got in the Freddy makeup was for a charity event in 2014, I think. I'm gonna look that up right now. No, it was a Halloween convention in Chicago. That was the last time he actually wore the makeup. He even said that would be the last time he would be Freddy. He has to play his character from Meet the Deedles now. Yep. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so do you want to go into your history, Casey? As a kid, I actually was terrified of all the slasher villains. Chucky, Freddy, Jason. It wasn't until my cousins and I were watching the unrated cut of Freddy vs. Jason. For the very first time, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't be afraid of these guys. I am going to find a way to conquer my fear of horror films. I first did that by watching all the horror films on the Sci-Fi Channel. That including watching the premiere of Mansquito, which was the most goriest thing I ever saw as a 14-year-old. Wait, Mansquito? It, yes, it's one of the most gory sci-fi films I was surprised they were able to air on TV. Yeah, just from that title alone, I can tell it's gonna deal with bugs, and that is a huge fucking note for me. Something about just human-bug hybrid movies just come out with some of the grossest shit, like The Fly, which I fucking love The Fly, just for how disgusting it is. Which, fun fact, Mel Brooks actually produced that movie, but he did not want his name on any part of it because he knew that because he's one of the most legendary, well-known comedy directors of all time, that if... His name was attached to any part of this movie. Nobody would take it seriously. No. But we do have Mel Brooks to thank for The Fly, so thanks. <laughs> you know, I am a strange case in that I can watch the 1980s version of The Fly just fine, but the 50s version is where it fucking gets me because you have that giant fucking fly head and Wormy has just conditioned me to hate anything with bug close-ups yeah that's valid and not gonna lie the scientist on the fly's body screaming help me while a spider comes at him only for them to like launch a rock at him that's like kind of way darker yeah that's fucked up <laughs> but after i conquered my feel of horror films i took upon the one person i would always have nightmares on freddy my brother had the whole original box set of Freddy's films. I sat down to actually watch them all, and I kind of was like, okay, these are actually very cool, I'm not gonna lie. And I actually was always kept barring them to enjoy and watch them, and my love for Freddy came from that. Like, I got to love about how the makeup, the way they did some shots and all that. I got the Never Sleep Again documentary. And, of course, um, for those who do watch my show, yeah, uh, I have a villain in my second season storyline that I heavily inspired from Freddy Krueger because uh, I was like, what if I just take this but also make it much darker how it was at the very beginning? Yes. And get the fact that my co-host from Escape from Monster High, Aaron Mills, when I sent him footage of Misfortune in the Haunter review, he basically said, and I quote, Casey, you scared the hell out of me. <laughs> And that was fun. I'm not gonna lie. I don't understand why people out here have to, like, romanticize and, like, fan over real-life horrible murderers that actually killed people when there's plenty of harmless fictional slashers out there we can fawn over. Right? Stan Freddy as much as you want. 
We love Freddy here. Stop making like serial killer tarot cards. And you know, I gotta say, a lot of the deaths in all of the movies have aged really well in terms of practical effects. They really have. There are some of them I just can't even watch because of how much they get to me. Like the fucking bike death in the fifth movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was one of the gnarliest fucking ones out of all of them. And that was still cut down for the MPA. Oh, Jesus. wow. Um, the fifth film, they really butchered a lot of stuff because, like, in the Never Sleep Again documentary, which I'm going to have to put this a lot, there's extended parts where they show the extensions of the bike scene. Oh, oh my God. God. And unfortunately, <laughs> the NBA is like, oh, yeah, cut off to this part. You got to cut off to this. So they can't show the full transformation and the full gore. Because the NBA fucking sucked back then. Wait, am I allowed to say fuck? Yeah. Oh, you're allowed yeah, to. Yeah! <laughs> I couldn't remember. We cuss like sailors here. <laughs> Just because we mostly talk about kids stuff does not mean this is a kid-friendly podcast. <laughs> nope, we are not kid-friendly at all. All right, now who wants to play some eels and escalators? Escalators, escalators, escalators. escalators. <laughs> but I fucking love practical horror effects so much. The gnarlier, the better. I love... The blob, I love the fly, and I fucking love the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I will say though, as far as practical effects go, I'd say my top are the fly and the blob. Hard yes. agree. Oh my god. Like the 1980s blob went fucking hard. One horror movie rule that rarely ever seems to get broken, it's like an unwritten rule, is you don't kill kids. The blob killed a kid. Yeah, it's fucked up. So I'll go into my history really quickly. So I basically have about the same history with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I actually watched it for the very first time when I was like eight. I actually watched the first one. I was watching it on, I think it was one of the channels where obviously it was kind of neutered down and such, but I became a big fan ever since. I really liked Freddy's Revenge. I became big on Dream Warriors, which by the way, has the same director as The Mask. Yes! I wasn't going to say anything, but... I never saw 4 through 6, but I did see Freddy vs. Jason and also New Nightmare, so... (laughs) Yeah, New Nightmare fucking rips. Yes, New Nightmare and basically my love for, like, David Lynch movies and such. Just I always love things where Hollywood becomes self-aware and has horror elements within itself. That's just my shit. I was going to say, I can't wait till some big-budget studio tries their hand at analog horror, um... That already happened. Yeah. That's what WandaVision is. WandaVision is basically big budget Marvel Cinematic Universe analog horror. It already won MTV Awards, like for Best Battle with Agatha and Wanda. Also the won its first Emmy, first Marvel thing to win an Emmy. And also it just got announced as we're recording this to Catherine Hahn as Agatha is going to get our spinoff series for Disney+. Plus. So it's going to be amazing. Fuck yes. But also, for that of Freddy, I think, like, I know everyone hates on the new Nightmare reboot. I've yet to watch it because it looks eh. But I know also people are fixed on Freddy vs. Jason because it's like, Freddy only gets one kill in that movie. And I'm like, yeah. But he still kicks the shit out of Jason. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting looking at how Nightmare was kind of also a bit of a blessing and a curse for the late, very great Wes Craven. Like, on one hand, it became a huge success for him when he really needed one. On the other hand, he was clearly trying to have success with other films, including he especially wanted to go into non-horror films. So he made things like Music of the Heart and other films. And he didn't really have another huge, huge, huge hit until the Scream series, I think. 
Creek. Which, by the way, I fucking love Scream. Me too. But it's weird that every time Wes Craven made something, it broke the horror genre. The House on the Left, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then Scream. Yeah. Also, it's weird that um, recently I've heard, getting a tiny bit off topic, I've heard rumors because there's going to be Scream 5. I've been hearing rumors that, like, Matthew Laird wants to return to Stu because he's saying, like, does Stu really die with having the TV fall on him? Yeah. And everyone's like... Actually, that would be cool if Stu lived through that in secret and maybe, like, took a different name and has been planning revenge on Sydney for a long time. I don't yeah. know. That would be cool. He comes back and his first line is, Welcome to prime time, bitch. Yes. <laughs> One fact about Freddy's Nightmares is that for the longest time, I got him so mixed up with that short-lived series that Wes Craven also created, Nightmare Cafe, so... Which also has Robert England. Yes! <laughs> so here's what I was going to say. Fun fact, there was a Scream TV show that lasted from 2015 to 2019. Oh, yeah. God. Guess who made an appearance in it? Who? Michael Jackson's daughter. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Escape! God damn it. <laughs> Anyway, Kathy Lee's Rockin' Nightmare Cafe. (laughs) Someday we gotta talk about that shit. (laughs) All right, so this episode was, um, interesting. (laughs) You know, I will say that I actually really liked the first story. The second one, yeah. The first one was, like, really interesting. The second one was, like, okay, it's just a bunch of dudes. (laughs) One thing new in this series is that during the second half, they actually would take a character that was minor in the first half and make them the focus in the second half. In the first half, that was the family members of three. In the second half, they immediately get killed off because of Freddy. Oh, really? I find it so funny that the first episode starts with like kind of a moral dilemma. Like, you know, you're really into this. And then the second one is just like, haha, Freddy's fucking with these guys. Yes! <laughs> Which I'm fine with. I love the second half. It's just Freddy fucking with these FBI agents. <laughs> he's just fucking around. And the only reason that these FBI agents are even there is that they're like, oh, this case could be connected to a case that's in another state of this crazy killer. That's it. I also kind of love that he's acting like Borat in this. Like, he's both a documentary host as well as the one fucking with everybody. It's it's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait for Nightmare on Elm Street subsequent movie film. (laughs) (laughs) Also, God bless them for not replacing Robert England for this. Well, the thing is, Robert England was a producer, but also he had directed a couple episodes that he wrote. Oh, yeah, that's right. Really? That's neat. One of them was very intense, one to the point where even Robert England went, yeah, there's no way they were going to have us show a certain thing in my episode I directed. Yeah, that's valid. But let's talk about dancing ladies with lightning. I literally show part of this to my friends and they're like, dancing batteries. (laughs) (laughs) So this episode was directed by a guy who's done a bunch of exploitation movies like Reform Schoolgirls and Angel 3 and he apparently directed a couple of episodes for a Swamp Thing series speaking of connections to Wes Craven franchises <laughs> and four episodes of this series so oh four wait which ones Tom De, De-, De Simone I just checked his Wikipedia page. He directed the Talking Vagina movie Chatterbox? (laughs) What? Yeah, he did. That piece of shit. Kit, to be fair, how do you make a movie about a talking vagina good? (laughs) You, uh, I don't know. You have to make it like the scene from Bruno with the talking penis. (laughs) 
I, I mean, I guess if you could make it like a horror movie, but even then, like, you're kind of stretching it there. Yeah, I mean, we, we got that movie teeth, so. <laughs> Get it? Vagina stretch? I made a silly joke. <laughs> you know, I did not expect this episode to mention kink as much as it did. <laughs> so we're getting kink shamed by Freddy Krueger today. <laughs> so they mentioned kink and cheese. Yeah. Kinkaroni and cheese. The no escape words. <laughs> <laughs> so Patty McCormick plays a photographer in this who's trying her best to be able to do actual things outside of portraits. And so Freddy starts fucking with the models for her. She's taking this picture of this family. She's like, Ugh. I want to do real stuff. Like, you can make a solid living doing that. (laughs) Well, the thing is, she was a photographer, and then she took a long break and stayed in Springfield and has not been a real photographer in, like, years. Oh, it's actually at Springwood. Damn it. I I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Springfield is just as scary. I'm not going to mention which Springfield in which state. Anywhere named Springfield is scary. (laughs) Though, of course, like, she just wants to be recognized again and not do, like, family portraits for the rest of her life. So she gets a call from this new hip magazine that's about to come out soon called Kink. (laughs) (laughs) When my friends heard that, they're like, it's called Cake? I'm like, no, it's Kink. And like, oh, cake sounds like a better name for a magazine. Do not touch Willie. Good advice. I'd read cake magazine. (laughs) Cake is delicious. But before that, I want to talk about this damn wiener family for a moment. (laughs) Because, good lord, this was some white-ass bullshit. Oh, we love saying cheese. I'm like, bitch, shut the fuck up. (laughs) There's so much emphasis on this family loving the word she's so much that they come back to this photographer every year just so that they can say it before they take their picture. Cheese? Yeah, you always have to say cheese. Our cutest smile. Yeah, I like to say cheese. Yes, you can say cheese. Always works like a charm. Every year your pictures come to us and they look great. So... Must be the cheese. You ever see that joke on Tumblr that's like, you can attract any white person within like a certain mile radius with cheese? It turns out that stereotype is like even more true than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the little girl finds the photographer's accomplishments and then she says right to her face, Wow, did you used to be somebody? Yeah, no. Me, I was like, damn, kid. And then everyone else, all my friends are like, oh my god, what? This kid is a little bitch. <laughs> Joke's on her, though. By the time the second story starts, she won't be anybody. <laughs> hey. I would have punted that little shit across the room. I swear to God. <laughs> I was expecting way more bad seed callbacks, and then she was going to secretly turn out to be killing her fellow student or something. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I was amazed Patty McCormick, spoilers, death in this wasn't like her getting struck by lightning and dying like Rhoda did. (laughs) No, she doesn't die, but it does get hinted in the sequel episode when it really does happen to her because Oliver comes back in that, so. I'm not going to spoil it too much. I'm just going to say she gets Little Mermaided, but like in the vein of the original Hans Christian Andersen story. (laughs) (laughs) This magazine calls her. They're like, you were at an edge and we want to bring your edge for our magazine. And the theme of this whole episode is that it's Halloween. Ah. So, uh... 
basically she starts to try and take some pictures of a model that's a witch which I look at the witch her trying to model with the witch and I just look at them like I know she's trying to do sexy pan up but it's like it's kind of been done yeah <laughs> also the way she did the witch is like that witch isn't scary could have done something different yeah <laughs> they're like yeah it's gonna scare people's boners I guess <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even bother to glue like a mole onto her face or anything or paint her face combining horror with pinup burlesque sexy you know what sexy horror i guess is something that i fucking love there are ways to do it that are fucking amazing this isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know and then also so then freddie is just secretly having these little host segments and then also you see him like fucking with a guy's head in a pumpkin and yeah. <laughs> Wait, so he decapitated him, but he's keeping him alive? No, he did decapitate him. The guy is alive in the dream. He's just like got him like holding a place, probably binding with dream magic and then put a pumpkin on top of his head and is like doing a little pretty torture. So Freddie just invented a new fidget toy. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I forgot there was a quote in this where she's like, does it come to a shock to you that Paul McCartney has another band before Wings? I'm like... I'm just sitting there like, shut the fuck up, you out-of-touch boomer. You just hate young people for being young. Ooh, look at me, I hate young people (laughs) just because they're young. Shut up, you salty bitch. As soon as the witch scene happens, we are then introduced to Oliver, who's sent by Kink, who I wish there was more of Oliver, because at least the actor looked like he was having a lot of fun. He's very hammy. Yeah, he's basically just some horn dog in his early 20s. <laughs> you are red. Excuse me? Your aura, it's red. I can see why they brought him back because he has this really fun, smarmy personality where it's clear that he's an asshole, but he's the fun kind of asshole. Yes. Because the photographer also has this fantasy sequence where she gets fired from kink and then Oliver comes in and he's like, Congratulations, you're the new official photographer for all the laminated restaurant menus in the country. You want it over here? And I'm just sitting there like, Fuck off. That's a good job. You get free food. What is not to love about that? So here's a little secret that this guy clearly doesn't know about restaurant menus. Those aren't photos. Those are paintings. Really? A lot of restaurants, those are not photos of the food. Those are just very realistic paintings because you look at it on the menu, you order it. It looks nothing like what is seen on the menu. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And if it is a photograph, it's usually not made of food. It's made of like, you know, plastic and soap and everything. Yeah. Like on cereal boxes, they don't have milk in the cereal. That's actually glue. What? Yeah. And in a lot of beer commercials too, to make the beer look foamier, they pour dish soap in it. Oh. Randy, I know exactly which video you're talking about that shows those hacks. But also like on a lot of restaurants, if they can afford it, it's paintings. So fun fact about restaurants. Uh, that's why the food you get looks nothing like it. But you don't care. It's delicious. Exactly. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. That's the motto. I don't give a shit if my burger doesn't look like the pinup model burger on the restaurant. All burgers are beautiful because they're delicious. We get it. You want to fuck burgers. <laughs> <laughs> And burger shaming. Now that you mention it, that Mr. Toad burger for the 50th anniversary was kind of suggestive. (laughs) 
I walked in on something interesting. <laughs> I don't even know what the picture of it looks like. Oh, yeah. It's like a Mr. Toad burger with olives for eyes, and it has like a giant pickle tongue. Oh, that's the one. That's yeah. Mr. Toad. Yeah. You know what? If we're going to talk about food looking suggestive and wanting to fuck it, that reminds me of the time some guy on Pornhub uploaded a video of himself having sexual intercourse with a McChicken. What? <laughs> moving no. on! Moving on! Moving, moving on! on. <laughs> nope. This just in, Mr. Bungle's Squeeze Me Macaroni has become a reality. <laughs> You're welcome, internet. Pass this part, never told you about it again. <laughs> And now to talk about something less horrifying. Back to the nice, easy, palated subject of uh, murder. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where fictional serial killers are the fucking palate cleanser of the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on one hand, I was amazed at how they were able to use Freddy kind of fucking with people in this. On the other hand, I was also like to Stony, girl, if your model is literally screaming in pain, maybe you should ask her if she's okay. I know she was convinced, but... Some models do kind of method act, so... Yeah. yeah. I can see why she thought nothing was wrong at first. Yeah, basically for our audience, it starts with the model who was the witch getting changed into being a prostitute for the Jack the Ripper scene. Uh... <laughs> yeah. And uh, she talks about how she had this big party and her eyes are red. And the photographer's like, you can rest on the pole. You're fine. She accidentally falls asleep standing, which is impressive. <laughs> but Freddy comes in and is like, oh, a photographer, huh? I'm gonna mess up with this model. <laughs> so he starts to basically, like, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't kill her because he likes to mess with his victims. So he's messing with her by twirling her around. And then the thing is, as every victim of Freddy, she's still sleeping while she's screaming, help me, and just screaming. And the photographer sees thinks it's method acting, takes all of the photos until Freddy spins her, makes her fall to the ground. She wakes up, and unfortunately for the model, she thought it was Oliver, and she just runs the fuck out of there. And the photographer is puzzled because the model said, that was terrible, I don't like it with your creepy friend. And the photographer's like, Oliver? But she's like, but I sent him away to get more fog juice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good scene, I gotta admit. Like, that was a really good way to kind of fuck with the viewer. Also, outside of the fact that this takes place in Springwood, there's no motive for Freddy to be doing all of this. He's just doing it just for shits and giggles. And you know what? Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Sometimes you just gotta fuck with people by murdering them. Yay! To the FBI agent listening, that was a joke. It's really a no-brainer why they gave Freddy a show where he just does all these shenanigans weekly. Yeah, no, it's Springwood, so definitely. But I love how after that scene, we immediately get, like, this was actually from the commercials cut, I remember it, to the vampire model saying, you gotta have me get that Jackie bat. And I'm like, I wish I knew what that conversation was about. And but we get our vampire model, Kiki, who, uh, like, she's in the second shot, like, photo of being one of Dracula's vampires. And then our photographer, I don't know the photographer's name, I can't remember. One thing I've noticed is that there seems to be a theme to these pictures, all of them involving women in distress. Yeah! <laughs> And surprisingly, no nudity. I don't think I want to read Kink Magazine anymore. <laughs> There's some red flags. By the way, the photographer's name is Stony Adler. But basically for Stony, she gets a call from Kink where Oliver sent the first photos of the Ripper scene. And Kink loves 
It's like a nice edge and it's cool and she can't wait for the next set of photos. And then during the course of Kiki, Oliver gets sent because the photographer ran out of vodka juice, which I'm surprised she didn't stock on more before the next one. And then, of course, Kiki's complaining about the most weirdest fake vampire fades. And I don't blame her. I've never seen vampire fades like that. Those are like those 50 cent vampire fangs you see at children's Halloween parties. Yeah. (laughs) The ones that tear the fuck up out of your gums. The actress who played Kiki was very well done. I love how she was like, what do you want me to do? Like horror, funny, gross, kinky. All of them. And she's like, so you want me to lick the steak or I can suck on it if you want. This aired in syndication. This is getting a little spicy. It got spicy. (laughs) And then, of course, she's like, oh, I was on a red eye. And I'm like, oh, she's going to sleep. Also, my friends commented, yeah, falling asleep in a coffin is not a good idea. Like, it's not very comfortable. You're going to wake up with a shitload of back problems. Not to mention, as soon as she falls asleep and she has the clearly real wooden stake next to her. Yeah. (laughs) Freddy comes out of nowhere in the dream. Takes the stake and now Kiki, in both the dream and in real life, is fighting against Freddy, trying to push the stake into her. And the photographer sees this, thinks it's real. And the one thing I'm surprised in this one, she gets some good shots from angles where she never moved her spot. Yeah, right. I still feel like even if Freddy hadn't been there, that would be still a bit of a safety hazard. (laughs) Okay, two things. First of all, why the fuck is Stoney using actual wooden stakes when you actually have a risk of someone getting hurt? Second, how the fuck... Even after this woman dies, literally showing blood, Stoney doesn't suspect anything until she touches the fucking wooden stake and gets her fucking fingerprints all over it. Yeah! I think the reason why she didn't see the blood at first is because of the angle of the coffin. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But also, I find it interesting that as she went to go develop the photos, Alfer was already in that room and didn't think to nudge Kiki at all. Nope. Oliver's kind of a dumbass. <laughs> Oliver's just as fucking complacent. <laughs> yeah, Oliver doesn't show up after this, by the way. He kind of just disappears. To be fair, we are about to learn that she's perfectly okay with killing people as long as she can achieve her career. <laughs> yeah, so she's just willingly doing this to herself at this point. See, this is the 80s where this was a legitimate moral dilemma. People were actually thinking, oh, it might be worth it to kill people for profit. Well, the thing <laughs> is that what happens is... She develops the second photos, gives them to Oliver to go to kink, and she goes to relieve Kiki. It's not until she puts the hands on the stake because she thinks she's still alive that she realizes thinking Kiki killed herself by accident because of method acting. And she was thinking of putting the police, but then she's like, my hands are on the stake. And I just sent the photos of her killing herself away to Oliver. So she unfortunately is like, I have to hide a body until I figure out what to do with it. And then of course she's reviewing the photos on a good old fashioned photo clicker. Which is so neat because of like dating this. 80. 80. Yes. She's going through it until she daydreams and sees Freddy in the photos. And then Freddy starts talking to her in her head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I'm getting you all the exposure. Yeah, I could help you get another one. Just let them sleep and they're all mine. Freddy is a fucking king when it comes to dad puns. Oh my god. We should stop calling them dad puns and start calling them Fred puns. See, this was a legitimate, relatable question in the 80s. Uh, 
You think it's a good idea to kill people to further my career? It might be. That's basically every politician's goal. Every politician, every CEO, every, pretty much just everybody in the 80s. <laughs> and that's another thing too. After Stoney hides the body, it never fucking comes up. And she doesn't even bother to bury it. She literally just hides it in like her studio, probably somewhere in a fucking closet where someone could easily find it. Miraculously, nobody does. No, Tyler, she hid it in her green room. Oh, oh my yeah. God. That's gonna stink. But then the body does get shown later, but as soon as Freddy tries to make a deal with her, King calls and was like, hey, you did go with these two, but I want one more. Can you give me one more? And she's just crying. like, okay, okay, I'll do it. Not just agreeing to King, but agreeing to Freddy. And then we get the objection. Pharaoh scene where she wraps Kiki's body to be made into a mummy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that that's reminds right. me of something that happened to an outlaw from like the old west. There was this outlaw. I can't remember if he got shot or if he just died naturally. But then in like the 70s or the 60s, they actually were using the real body of this guy who died like a hundred years ago. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, as a haunted house prop. And there was a little boy who saw it, got traumatized, and that was the inspiration for Skeletor in Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah. I think the body was covered in wax or something. Yeah, but it was like a real dead body used as a horror prop. Yep. And that inspired Skeletor, so... And there's an episode of Drunk History that talks about it. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yep. Who would want to live in a world without Skeletor? Not me. Right? (laughs) Exactly. As long as trauma leads to something creative, it's worth it. Yay! So we get to the Egyptian scene where she is telling this Cleopatra model to basically sleep, be natural. And so I'm going to fill out the parts that actually happened because unfortunately for the episode that I had and shared to them, it had a couple videotape glitches where it was just only a little bit of pacing, that's it. Basically, it was pacing of the photographer looking through the lens and then slowly seeing the body rays and then unwrap itself to reveal Freddy and she's like what are you waiting for and the model she wakes up and she's wondering who the photographer's talking to as Freddy's just taking his time approaching the model and then in a split second Freddy's right behind her and he's like you want to scare her you want to make her scream right and she's like yes I got away Pokes her eyes out with his razor glove (laughs) on fucking syndicated television and not only that She goes out right where the photos are, screaming in pain as the model also screams in horror as Freddy is just doing like a little quick jazz hands, taking pictures automatically. (laughs) And the way they show her eyeballs. Oh. And the funny thing is that those photos are put in. Somehow they get developed. And then Kink's like, oh, you are going to be our photographer forever. Once you see the magazine, you're going to be good. But nope, she survived that somehow. And it's blind, but it's the worst makeup eye prosthetic ever. As soon as I see it. (laughs) But of course, we do see the aftermath of that as a magazine cover in the next segment. Which is a nice angle, but I also look at that and I'm like, Freddy could have been a good photographer too. He could have been. Also, that model didn't say anything. Like, yeah, she's easily traumatized, but she couldn't have said to the kink lady, Hey, uh, the photographer had her fucking (laughs) eyes gouged out. Do you mind not publishing this shit and doing something about it, or... Also, I'm gonna need extensive therapy, and you assholes are paying for it, so... (laughs) 
is that she still has the mummified body wrap of Kiki still, so... Yeah, so a lot of loose ends not tied here. Do you want me to tell you a little bit of what happens to her? Yes. Well, I do, but do you guys... Oh, I don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. It'll probably touch touched because I'm definitely going to be showing them the psychic episode when I'm on next time because... Yes. I want to show them the cheesiness. Basically, Oliver mentions when he comes back that he not only got fired from Kink, but also the photographer got arrested for the murder of Kiki. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> Wah. And I cannot stress this enough. Wah. <laughs> also, the next moment where Freddy shows up at the house pretending to trick or treat, then shoots the family. That felt like a good out of context moment. <laughs> we open up on this family that, that's like, oh, it's the day before Halloween. You can't get candy. Mila gets shot. <laughs> and I go up the stairs, kill the little girl. Next thing we know... Is that the father somehow died by getting his throat slit and was spun around. So there's like a circle <laughs> of blood in the carpet. That was fucked up. <laughs> you know, Freddy is a good interior decorator, so. Wow, Freddy has a lot of marketable skills besides murder. <laughs> yeah, Freddy should really put himself out there. Yeah, but we basically cut to actual Halloween where the FBI comes in to take over this local case because they claim, as we mentioned earlier, it might be related to a killer they've been been trying to find for quite a while because it has the same exact motives nope that does not turn out to be it at all and then you got this guy who's basically i call him exposition guy who talks to himself with the recorder like he's trying to be entrapped up but this is a worst take of entrapped i've ever seen oh shit sorry i left hallmark on it's a change channel like he's just <laughs> talking to himself like though he's talking to the killers like Why'd you do it? Why'd you leave the father for last? Why'd you do that? At first, I kind of thought he was played by the guy from Tequila and Benetti. <laughs> oh my god, I remember that. I actually did not look up any of the detective actors because there's like hardly photos and I don't think any of them did anything. I don't even remember any of their fucking names. I'm sorry. I don't remember <laughs> the names either. I'll be honest. I found everything before Freddy comes back to be honestly pretty boring because it was just sitting around talking. I couldn't make any jokes about it because it was just so fucking boring. It's just dudes. That's it. It was just cop bullshit. Oh, the blah, 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 legal jargon. Blah, 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 investigator talk. Blah, 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 boring. Like, there's a point where the, the expedition tape guy was like, why did he put you in our case? They're like, oh, because, like, I know what's in the guy's mind. How? Oh, they had me undercover in a jail for, like, a year. Technically, too. I did the second year myself, and then it's like, okay. Okay, you were undercover in jail. That's what we call it. <laughs> so he's probably been complicit in God knows how much state violence. Yeah, and also, I gotta wonder how the FBI wouldn't still be investigating the case of Freddy, given that there were obvious ties to the fact that a guy had been murdered all those years ago, and now suddenly it's all happening in the same town. Like, something would still be investigated. Well, I honestly do not know. Because, like, this takes place in the beginning of once Freddy's been killed and all that. So it's not super crazy. Well, scratch that there. It's still crazy, but it kind of is showing how much Springwood is a very fucked up town to live in with all the murder that happens. There's so much constant murder. Like, there's a murder almost every single episode, guys. <laughs> there has to be a higher death rate 
than there is an actual fucking population for Springwood. At least there's like one episode that was actually experimented on that the movies wanted to do is like Freddy torturing a guy in a coma. What? Yes, that's in one of the episodes. Jesus, Freddy. Shit. And that was something they wanted to do in one of the movies, but that never happened. That's our Freddy. But basically what happens here is that our detective is just getting the daydreams because that's how you also get Freddy's daydreams. And then Freddy is showing him how these murders happened that he took the father made him mad and probably was so sleep deprived that he started to not only hear freddy over the message machine come back to his home over a ghost sheet and then sees that freddy kills him didn't know that was his wife goes up the stairs takes off the sheet sees freddy in his daughter's room shoots oh he killed his daughter and then goes down the stairs trying to kill freddy and then freddy comes behind slashes his throat and lets him go Blood in a circle in a rolling chair. Because rolling chairs are fun. Oh, yeah. And they were invented around that time. If I killed a guy in a rolling chair, I'd do that too. And then, of course, like it gets to a point where the two detectives are like, what if tape recorder guy killed the family? And maybe is a crazed killer after all. Because he keeps mentioning all how the murders happen and also about Freddy Krueger. So the one detective is like, I'm going to find out about Freddy. Goes off. Comes back. Sees his higher up as Freddy and just... Sh- fucking shoots him because <laughs> the tape recorder guy learned once you know who freddy is he gets inside your head and is like don't open the door too late <laughs> so when he sees his higher up as freddy the other detective is on the stairs as well so is he seeing two freddies at once or i also fucking love how catty freddy gets when the bullet hits his sweater he's like you ruined a perfectly good sweater <laughs> Like, here, take it back. Yeah. Ah, Freddy, you can knit yourself a new one. I mean, that's what the finger knives are for, right? They're for knitting and nothing else. Hooray. Look on the bright side, Freddy. That's now a Yeezy sweatshirt that can sell for (laughs) $10,000. But basically what happens is one detective is like, I just got a fax. Freddy Krueger's been dead for a while. And the tape recorder guy's like, that's impossible. And they chase each other because then he starts to see tape recorder guy as Freddy. And then tape recorder guy just kills the detective. Yes. Oh, in the same room as the little girl. Ugh. And it goes down the stairs and he's like, okay, I think I could try and kill Freddy in the dream. And I go, that has not worked out for anybody at all except if you are Heather Lange camp. This is the same energy as that, like, group of witches on the internet who were pissed about the Taliban, so they tried to hex Allah. <laughs> like, there was one person who was like, don't do this. I just astral projected to try and fight Allah. He's too powerful. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's not Allah's fault. Second of all, you realize that's God. <laughs> also, I love that Freddy is such a petty motherfucker that when he finally kills the last detective in the same way that he killed the dad, he literally fucking prints a headshot of himself from the fax machine. That is a fucking power move at best. And then it catches on fire to destroy the evidence. <laughs> One thing we missed is that at one point, like, while they're investigating the house, there's, like, some trick-or-treaters that show up, and then they're like, oh, this candy doesn't count as evidence, right? Yeah, I mean, our fingerprints are all over it. Who gives a shit? Okay, number one, why are you letting kids trick-or-treat at a house where there is an active murder investigation going on, and they're just like, oh, that's all right, this isn't evidence. <laughs> like, 
the bodies aren't there, so they're fine. They even said you could check the bodies that are at the morgue, and I'm just like, yeah, we don't leave the house at all. Still weird that they're just letting kids trick-or-treat in an active investigation zone. <laughs> and the FBI people are just like, oh, does this candy count as evidence? Ah, oh, well, here you go. <laughs> Also, they keep using the same fucking scream sound effect for Freddy whenever he gets shot. Ah! <laughs> it's good, though. It's a good effect, it is. I like to think Freddy is just so totally unaffected by these bullets that he's not even screaming. He's just, like, pressing a pre-recorded button. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, of course, the episode ends, as I quote it, the circle of Freddy continues with the CIA coming in to figure out not only the murder of the family, but the murder of their FBI agents. So the circle of Freddy continues. Da -na -na. So is this going to turn into a fucking Groundhog Day style loop where Freddy just keeps killing off the FBI in the same house in the same ways? Probably. It's just going to be an endless time loop. No more FBI. Yay. <laughs> For legal reasons, this is a joke. No more violent coups overthrowing democratically elected socialist governments in South America anymore. Hey! We'll just have the Suicide Squad. Yeah, but we basically leave it off with Freddy going, like, Happy Halloween, and I'm just like, yes, Freddy, Happy Halloween. <laughs> All right, so do we keep the tapes or do we burn them in Freddy's incinerator? Casey? Can we rip this one in half, rip the detective ones in the burner, keep the photo finish one. Yes. Yeah, that's valid. For me, it's going to be a keep the tapes where my feelings are mainly going towards photo finish and how effective of a story it was that it basically just overpowers whatever the second story was trying to do because it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm going to give it a keep the tapes for photo finish and then I'm just going to quietly hold the second half over the fire and slowly just let it be consumed. 100% <laughs> keep photo finish by far. This is like pure campy 80s low budget. Love it so much. I don't really have to do anything about the second episode. Freddy already took care of them, so. Yeah, he already took care of the detectives, so. Yeah. Huzzah! So yeah, thank you once again for joining us, Casey. It was great having you on our show after we were on your and Ian's show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, really, it was so great to have you on, so. Yeah, do you have anything you want to plug? Well, you can follow me on msnightmare24 on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at MissNightmareReviews. I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Productions. Even if you donate a dollar, I am actually will be getting reviews back this month, even if I've been in the fog. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But basically, I also have my webcomic, The Monster Homebrew, which is on Webtoons. But also, um, yes, I am on the Eteka Gazette, made by my wonderful co-host, Ian C., who is also one cool. You should follow him, because season two of the Eteka Gazette We'll be coming back. Sweet. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Well, unfortunately for me, Ian, our summers were very busy. So unfortunately, we couldn't release really do a season two. But it will be coming back because we were going to be finally talking about Universal Studios. Yes. <laughs> and of course, I'm also on another podcast where I'm on a hiatus for that one, The One Crazy Weekend, uh, hosted by my wonderful fiance, Rosenthorn, and our friends Bunny and Jeff, aka Writer's Block, which they're doing like special guest stars on Rosen's Twitch, which is so fun because they're doing a lot of indie shows right now. So listen to them. And I mean, I think that's all I can really give for updates. I don't have much updates. Oh, wait, I just remembered. I'm, I need to post an update video today. Yay! <laughs> you got this. 
I forgot I wanted to do that while I was recording, but yes, there is an important update video, which has already been posted by YouTube by the time this has already been listened to. So yay. 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 So go check that out after you listen to this episode. You can find me over on my Instagram and Twitter, all the usual. You can find me on various episodes of Escape from Vault Disney, on The Emperor's New Podcast, Podcast Without a Cool Acronym, and the E-Ticket Gazette. You can also find me trying to come up with a more clever pun involving photos. You can find me on Twitter at Cosmic Rewind, place the E with a three. You can also find me on my uh, Walton Files account, Banny Farm. You can also find me on a few select episodes of Escape from Vault Disney and the Emperor's new podcast. And you can also find me headed over to Springbrook to go find America's third favorite family, the Stansons, with son Bort, daughter Lena, mother Maud, father homosexual, and the baby Magfest. <laughs> 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 okay, you can find me at the usual spots, Tyler FG on Twitter, Tyler FG96 on Instagram. You can find the show at channel underscore KRT on Twitter, channel KRT podcast, all one word. You'll also be able to find our Discord server and our Facebook group and our link tree. And if you want to help support us, you can check us out on Patreon where you'll be able to find such tricks and treats as exclusive minisodes, outtakes, and episodes of this very podcast one day early. And of course, thank you so much to our pals Chris, Reyna, and Gomer for pledging to us at the $10 level. And you can also find me now just realizing I forgot to make a some Freddy with a camera joke. Guys, we can't close this podcast because that means that when we fall asleep, we could die! Ah! Welcome to my world. No, wait, I'm Miss Fortune. I can't die. See you, suckers. But wait a minute. That also means we get to meet Robert England. Yay! Yay! Nice. Channel KRT, cut to static. <laughs> 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 <laughs>